I'm going to come down here if that's okay. Can you all see me if I'm down here? Roy, can you see me? Okay. Such truth in those Christmas carols. Sometimes you sing a Christmas carol and like, well, that's not really a worship song. But uh, if you really think about the words of those songs, it's, it's truth. And what a divine night it was that uh, whatever time of the year it, it really was. Uh, when they came to see Jesus uh, in that manger. There was a small town, and in this small town, there was a man who was both the sheriff and the the veterinarian. And uh, one night, an an agitated citizen phoned him and said, we need you to come right away. And he said, do you need me as the sheriff or do you need me as the vet? And they said, both. We can't get our dog's mouth open, and there's a burglar in it. That's a small town. You know, there's probably lots of small towns where, you know, here in Lingle, our mayor was the UPS delivery guy for a long time. Um, You know, small town. Uh, This this town is so small, Main Street, which is one block long, dead ends in both directions. (laughs) This town is so small, the phone book has only one page. I've lived in one of those towns before. Uh, This state is so small, we only have one area code, right? I mean... The only state in the union, I believe, that can... Who ever does the... Oh, yeah, you know, if you live in a... You know, there are cities that have more than one area code, right? Um, Do you ever think... Why didn't I think of taking the numbers 307 and making them into something that would sell lots of stuff? Right? License plate covers and decals and all that. Um, This town is so small, the New Year's baby was born in October. (laughs) This town is so small, the zip code is a fraction. This town is so small, the city limit signs are both on the same post. And this town is so small, the... Uh, Long-distance calls are delayed when the area code is busy, right? Um, Lingle, Veteran, Guernsey, Hawk Springs, Yoder, J.M., Henry, even Torrington, uh, all hick towns, according to some. I've heard that term used in describing our towns. Um, And and we can sure have an attitude that says, "Ah, I live in Lingle. It's really not a big place. It's no big deal. I'm no big deal. In fact, we can kind of minimize ourselves from where we come from. Uh, In fact, we are amazed and excited when an an athlete from a nearby town does well somewhere, which has happened a few times here. You know, Lingo actually produced uh, an NFL player. He played in two Super Bowls, uh, Jerry Hill. Mike Lansing, I actually, he played for the Colorado Rockies, if you know the name Mike Lansing. Uh, I lived across the alley from his grandpa, and uh, although I've never met Mike Lansing, I was never around when he came to visit. Um, Jason McManaman, everybody probably knows how he did in the basketball game the other night, though it was a losing battle, they only lost by two to a number 23 in the nation team, pretty good. Um, You know, we, we tend to be 
proud of that. We're, we tend to be excited about that because we're like, wow, something big finally came out of our little town. Uh, of course, the odds aren't too great that that's going to happen very often. Jason's not going to play in the NBA. Um, but there are some great players who have gone on from around here and done well. But other than an infinitesimal number, we may just think that not much can come from here. There haven't been any world changes originate here. Uh, nothing big has ever happened here. Things that shake the world don't happen in Lingle, Wyoming. Things that shake the world don't happen in other places, other towns. Uh, or maybe you're visiting us this weekend and, or, or you're watching this morning and you're from a big metropolitan city where there's multiple zip, or area codes and even zip codes. Uh, maybe you feel like a very small fish in a really big pond and you kind of feel like, eh, you know, I'm just me. You know, don't make a big splash. Nobody really notices me. I just, you know, get up in the morning, go to work, come home, go to bed, and do that five days a week, and then, you know, on the weekends, whatever. I bet those are some of the same common feelings in the little town of Bethlehem, maybe. Or, or Nazareth. Of course, Nazareth. I mean, it's, it's even biblical that uh, that Nazareth was not well looked upon, you know. Uh, let's see. There, somebody, somebody said, uh, "Can anything good come from Nazareth?" Right? That's uh, that's biblical. Um, somebody didn't think about Nazareth very highly. But the size of a town or the past history of a place doesn't make any difference in the kingdom of God. And and I want to repeat that as often as I can. It doesn't make any difference when it comes to the kingdom of God. The notoriety or success of a person is equally unimportant in the kingdom of God. Okay, I, I want to repeat that. The notoriety or success of a person, you, me, is equally unimportant when it comes to the kingdom of God. You see, it doesn't matter how small you feel or how small you think the town you live in is. God changes the world. Because you walk this planet. He does. He changes the world. Um, Bethlehem was a small country town. Uh, I think not a lot unlike Lingle or, or maybe Fort Laramie. You know, as far as population goes, then I think it was about that size. I tried to find out how big. They didn't, you know, record the census that they, well, the census didn't have anything to do with the population of the town, of course. Uh, but... Bethlehem now is about 25,000 people, which is a pretty good size. But even 100 years ago, it was less than 5,000. And, and I'm sure it was considerably smaller in, in the time of Christ. Um, but, but look here at Micah 5.2. It'll be up on the screen. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be the ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Micah 5.2. What a statement that is. It's, it's a, a statement of prophecy. God is saying this is going to happen. It was written over 700 years prior to the birth of Jesus. 700 years. God foretold this event that we celebrate today 
700 years before it actually occurred. And today, over 2,000 years after it's occurred, we continue to celebrate it year after year after year. And it is an event that would change life and eternal life forever. One who will be ruler over, it says. Out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over. Ruler, king, lord, sovereign one. Uh, Messiah, savior, the chief cornerstone. All of those names are encapsulated in the name of Jesus. Again, it was foretold and it was fulfilled. It really happened. So many people in our culture today celebrate the holidays, right? Um, many of them will even use the name Christmas. Some of them don't, but, but they celebrate the holidays. And I think to myself, what holiday are you celebrating, Right? It, it, it becomes commercial or it just becomes this thing of giving gifts. But why? For what purpose? And I, I say that there's a lot of people that want the federal government to say, well, it's not, we don't get Christmas off. But they, they, they still want the holiday because they get two days off, right? They don't want to give that up. So let's keep that. But, but, but then what does it become? A celebration of what? Of, well of love and peace on earth and goodwill towards men, right? I mean, they might even say that, but where does that come from? Why does that even exist in our world? It's because of what we celebrate. It goes on. It says, whose origins are of old, from ancient times. In fact, from from times so ancient, time didn't even exist yet. Creation hadn't happened yet. Uh, John describes Jesus this way in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word, of course, we know is, is he's talking about Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was, he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Jesus, the Ancient One. So ancient. Have you, ever, have you ever wondered how long infinity is? Right? Have, you ever, have you ever tried to wrap your mind around the concept of something always existing? Always. Never, it never started. Now, he says in the beginning, that's our beginning, not his. He has always existed. Always. Never had a beginning. Wow. Wrap your mind around that. You, Bethlehem. And then he says these four words. Though you are small. Though you are small. Even though you're small. Uh, one commentator said it had nothing in it worthy to have this honor put upon it. But it was in this humble, or he goes on, but God in that, as in other instances, chose to exalt those of low degree. Not much to brag about looking in from the outside to Bethlehem. Now, Bethlehem, I believe, does have significance in the timeline of history that God is weaving throughout time. Uh, Bethlehem was the place where the sacrificial uh, flocks of sheep were grown, were raised. 
to be sacrificed in Jerusalem. And, and as I look at this, uh, they may not have seen it in the present, but as we look back on it, we see how symbolic is it that Jesus is actually born in the place where the sacrificial lambs of the system that God established, the sacrificial system would be born? That's amazing to me. Oh, well, it just so happens that Jesus was born there, right? No, it was very intentional. And the way, the, the, the power of God to, to weave things throughout the course of history is, it's unmatched, isn't it? Of course it is. Not much to brag about looking in from the outside to Bethlehem, but but it was in this particular humble, secluded, quiet place that Jesus was born. Look at uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 4. And I think it's going to be on the screen, but you can turn there because we're going to be in, in this passage for the next 15 minutes or so. Um, Luke chapter 2, beginning in 4. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. If, if you were here last night, you know, we talked about the I wonders and the gaps in between passages, the white space. Think of the white space that's in between those three verses right there. The, the regular life. We tend to take biblical events and we sort of, um, we fable them. We, we, we sort of take them out of the context of actual life and actual history. And, and, you know, think about, think about the real life of loading a pregnant woman on a donkey and traveling miles to another place. Uh, where, where you know people, because that, he, you know, some of the things that I read said that, that Joseph probably actually owned property in Bethlehem because that was, Part of the reason the census had nothing to do um, with your present, you know, when we take a census, it's where you live. And you say, yes, I'm a part of this town. When, when they took a census, it was where, where you were from, where you originated, and where you also owned property. Because depending on the census, you know, they, they would take a census to see how much taxes. You, we do that every year. The IRS, you know, you at the end of the year, you, you do that. Well, they would go someplace to do that. So there's all of those details. Uh, you know, they couldn't phone ahead and make reservations, right? They couldn't call the relatives and say, hey, we're coming. Do you have room for us? Even, let's say that, that uh, Joseph and Mary had relatives in the town. By the time they got there, it, it was full. There was no room for them to stay. But yet there was this place because they had to have a place. You know, if your wife is pregnant and you're on the way to the hospital and you don't make it, there needs to be a place. Sometimes that's in the backseat of the car, right? I mean, stable, whatever, wherever they were, Mary has this child. And, and then there's all the details about Mary being unwed and in the culture that they were in and trying to convince people, well, it was God. Yeah, right, Mary. Whatever, you know, what just happened, you know, try to explain that. So here's what I want us to do. I, just, just for a moment, 
I want you all to close your eyes and I want you to just reflect and, and, and worship in your heart as you think about this small town, Bethlehem, where this thing that completely changed all of life as we know it occurred. Put yourself in the stable, you know, following the birth of Jesus. He's been, he's been cleaned off. He's been, he's been washed. He's wrapped in, in these strips of, of cloth. Mary's sitting there holding him and just all of those things that are going through their minds. But you see, as, as we think of Mary, she heard the message from an angel and she knows that she's holding the Messiah. What lies ahead? What has changed in her life? What has changed in your life from knowing Jesus? You know, there's things, there's things in our own lives where we can, can sort of relate them to that. Maybe it's the birth of your first child or, or even a grandchild or, or some event that happened in your life that just completely changed reality going forward. That's what happened when Jesus was born. Thank him for that. Worship him for that. Let's go on to read in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 6. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. The shepherds. Let's think about the shepherds. You know, we know shepherds. We know cowboys. They're not bad people. Um, we know them as hardworking, rugged, independent people, right? Uh, these shepherds in this culture were some of the lowest of the culture. They, they didn't go into the town much. In fact, they probably lived, slept, and ate with the sheep. Now, I raised sheep. I know what that would be like. That would be terrible. It would be terrible. Um, sheep stunk. They just did. Not that all animals don't when you, you know, hold them up in a corral, but sheep especially. Uh, is, what, Megan, you come from a, a culture that probably has shepherds and that sort of thing. Are they still kind of thought of as pretty low? Do they come to town much? 
Can you tell a shepherd when they walk through town? They're probably like Swedes. You can tell a shepherd, but you can't tell them much, right? (laughs) Um, I, I wonder if a shepherd ever longs for human interaction. I wonder if they're ever lonely. I wonder if they get bored hanging out with the same shepherds day after day and the same sheep day after day after day. Now, they weren't necessarily uh, a, a motley crew or the dregs of the society. I don't think they were automatically criminals. They weren't thought of that way. But they were just common, below common people. And how often do you feel that way? How often do you feel like what you do in a day honestly really doesn't matter that much? You know, I, 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 I see people out here. I see people who pull water wells and who um, fix plumbing and who shuffle parts behind a parts counter and who fix cars. And I don't see any doctors in the house. They skipped today. Um, I see carpenters and I see folks that are retired and I see farmers. I mean, honestly, if, if there ever was a room full of what... I would define as common folk. This is it right here. And, and I would think if there ever was a room full of people who thought what I really do on a daily basis doesn't really matter that much in life, I would think that this might be that group. And I want to tell you, it's not true. You are the people who Jesus came to first. And I think that's important for us. (laughs) As we think about Jesus coming, he he came for all people. And and I think there's a couple reasons why Jesus came to the shepherds first. They were the first to hear that he'd been born, other than maybe those in hearing distance of a crying child, and they probably didn't even know the significance of it. But the shepherds were the first ones to hear that he had arrived. Why the shepherds? Well, Filling in some gaps, looking through a knothole, I think there's, there's two reasons. One of the reasons I think that Jesus, uh, that the, that the uh, news of the birth of Christ came to the shepherds first was because God wanted us to know that, that he came for all of the people. That this message is something that's important for all of the people. That it's going to change the lives of all people. Uh, you know, in this culture, even in our culture, I, I read about uh, an actor. I think he's an actor. He's important, whether he's an actor, whatever. But he's moving. He's he's leaving San Francisco and he moved to Colorado because he felt like the people in San Francisco were elite. They were too elite for him. They, in fact, and I was amazed by this. I wish I could remember who it was. He said that they talk about tolerance and they talk about, you know, all of this freedom, believe what you, whatever you want to, but that's only true if you believe what they do. I thought, wow, you're finally getting it, right? I mean, there are people in our culture, there were people in Jesus' culture who thought they were all that. They were the important ones and they were the ones who should only benefit from all of this. And, and the news of, of the arrival of the Savior of the world 
the Messiah, God with us, came to the shepherds first so that we could sit here also on this Sunday morning and go, you know, this message is for us too. This salvation is for me too. And I also wonder with the busyness of the census, you know, there's people traveling all over. There's people, um, they're, they're now in another town and they're trying to figure out where they're going to sleep and what they're going to eat. They didn't have McDonald's. They didn't have, you know, all those places were closed during the census or whatever, you know, like on Christmas Day. Um, they, they, and, and they're worrying about all of this. And I wonder if, if God didn't proclaim this message to the, to the shepherds because, he, because they were, number one, they were available. They, were, they had nothing else to do, right? If, if it was night, which it was, the sheep were all asleep. And they're maybe sitting around a fire telling sheep jokes or something, or, or maybe camel jokes, or elite people jokes, you know, whatever, um, laughing about those that think they're more important in life than them. I think, I think they were in a position to actually listen and hear the message that Jesus had arrived. Now, you know, go forward 2,000 odd years and put yourself in your position the last couple days and today. This is why I'm so thankful that you're here with us this morning. Because it's a time out of what's normal happens on a, on a Christmas day. You know, you, you get up when the kids get up because they want to open presents, right? Like 5.30 in the morning. 5.15 with this little guy this morning. And... Uh, and you open presents, and then you got this big pile of trash, and you hope you don't throw something new away with the trash, right? You're sorting through it. Or I think last year we had to go to the dumpster, actually, because something was missing. And, and, then, and then it's what? You turn the TV on, and you watch some football, and you wait till lunch, or you, you start cooking the turkey and all of that, and you're busy all day long. Not that that stuff is bad, but too often we become Martha and not Mary, and, and we get so busy that we forget to stop and take a deep breath and recognize why we're even doing this in the first place, which is why I'm glad that you're here with us this morning. To quiet our hearts, to see and picture the baby Jesus in a, a manger, and to worship as the shepherds did. To worship. What an amazing gift he is to us. Let's go on in Luke chapter 2, 17 through 20. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So these shepherds are present and available and they hear it, they listen to it, they hear it, they go, they search it out, they find him. And I, you know, they weren't, they weren't wise men, they weren't magi, I don't think they probably followed the star, they probably went into the town and being shepherds, I would think they knew where all the, resi- the local stables were, Right? Maybe they had to check out a couple before they finally found Jesus, but they, but, you know, I'm pretty sure there was only one birth that night in a stable. And they found Jesus just as the angels had said. When, 
if, you were, if you're told to go find something and you, you find it, what, what happens in your heart? It's like, oh, it's, here it is. They said it would be here and it was. You know, like when you're, you men, when you're looking for something in the cupboard and you yell at your wife, it's not here. And she says, yes, it is. Did you move anything? Well, no. It should just be right there in the front, right? About a month ago, I was looking for a a space heater. It's about this long. I looked everywhere in the whole house. Couldn't find it. Sarah needed to get it a couple days ago. She said, it's in Brittany's closet. I'm not in Brittany's closet. I looked in there. She's gone for about 30 seconds, and I hear this, Hey, David, come here. (laughs) Oh, no. I think one of my kids said, What's she want? I said, She wants to show me that it's in the place where she said it was. Where she said it was. There it was. I don't know what I was looking for before because it was. I'm not even sure you had to move anything to see it. It was just there. (laughs) The things that are right there in front of our face? Yeah. So, so what do these shepherds do with this? Do they take this amazing thing, this amazing gift? Do they, like Mary at this moment in time, she treasured it all in her heart. I mean, she can't go anywhere. She can't do anything. She's the mother. She has to tend to the infant. The shepherds, though, what do they just, do they just sort of slink off back up into the hills and, and quietly think about the fact that they were just visited by angels and they just saw the Savior of the world that God, that, that the angels told them would be there? That's not what they did. It says they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. When you experience something really, really good, what do you do? More often than not, yeah, you call a friend and you say, hey, I just, you know, People really like to do this with, with health remedies, right? I hear chuckling. You've had somebody tell you, oh, you've got to try this. It will fix this. Or you've got to try this. It will fix this. Or, or you become, I don't know, maybe you're not as passionate about things as I am, but, or my wife would use the word obsessed. Uh, sometimes I get excited about something, and then I just can't wait to tell people about it, Right? And sometimes it's because somebody else told me about this thing. Um, So the new thing for me right now, you're going to love this, is a farming simulator game. It's Caleb's fault, right? It's all Caleb's fault. Seriously, it's this computer game, and you can get it on Xbox One and PlayStation 4, where you, you farm. There's this map, and you grow crops, and you run combines. You're going to go home and check this out. The least you got to do is go on YouTube. There are hours and hours of instructional videos on YouTube. It's only been out since October. See, I get passionate about this thing, and I tell people all the details, and my wife rolls her eyes because she's like, they really don't care about this. (laughs) You would love it. Maybe. Maybe. I could watch it for hours. Combines. The combines are so detailed. Oh, it is. 
it, no, 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 no. Okay. Hours wasted. Let's talk about that, okay? <clears throat> Let's talk about that. Does anybody in here play golf? Okay. Yeah, some would say that's hours wasted, right? Anybody on here, ev- in here ever on Facebook for more than five minutes in a day? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. It's called recreation. It is. It is. Because all work and no play makes whoever a, a dull boy. That doesn't even rhyme. Oh, I thought it was supposed to. So they, they spread the word. They spread the word. The most incredible news that we will ever hear or ever experience in life, the saving of the world, they spread the word. And I, I didn't look at this in detail. I wish I had a little bit more in the original language, but it says that the people who heard them talking about these things were amazed. Now, I'm not sure what exactly. I mean, when we think of amazed, we think, ah, oh, right? Oh, my goodness gracious. And that might have been it. It also might have been surprised that here are these you know, lower-class citizens, and they're talking about this great thing, how they heard this message of, of the Messiah coming. But, but either way, people were hearing it. They spread the word. Uh, they couldn't help it. In fact, they became, as Paul says, we become in Philippians. We looked at this a few weeks ago. Uh, Paul says this in Philippians chapter 2, verse into verse 15 and 16. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. That's what these shepherds were doing. They were shining like stars because they had this thing that wasn't just news, it was life-changing news. It changed who they were. Which is what happens when you and I experience salvation in Christ. It changes who we are. He saves us. We immediately experience, begin to experience eternal life. See, eternal life isn't something that happens on the other side of this life. Eternal life starts the day of salvation. Life. Life. And so my challenge to us is not to keep that, this message to ourselves. That, that we experience it on a daily basis because I don't think it ever went away for the shepherds. I think every opportunity and every chance they had to tell this story, whether it was around a campfire or in an interaction with someone, maybe they noticed someone was a little bit down or lacked peace in their life. They were like, hey, can I share something with you? Oh, man, I, I, I met this angel one time. <laughs> I was terrified. Thanks to Dusty. I was terrified. They were. They were frightened. They were fearful. But yet they experienced this life-changing thing. So as we continue to celebrate today, as you continue to celebrate today, with whatever family traditions you have, maybe you still have gifts to open. Maybe you still have a family meal. We're going to have 30 in our house. Why do we pick the smallest house in our family to have this Christmas celebration? I don't know, but... You know, let's, let's take time to remember 
that Jesus came into the world in a humble, quiet way to a small place like where we live, to common folk like who we are. And it was in that way that he sought to change the world. And when he enters your life and mine, I don't care where you live, I don't care where you work, I don't care what people think about you, you have the message and the hope that changes the world. And this same Savior that changes the world wants to use us. Big and small, but honestly, I think mostly small. To continue to change everything. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for those that are gathered here and those that are watching on Facebook even now and will watch later. And Father, I pray that, that as, we, as we reflect and we continue to trust and have faith in the Messiah, this, this real-life historical event that occurred over 2,000 years ago that continues to change lives, Father, I pray that you would help us to see that, that whoever we are, wherever we live, whatever we do, that you want to use us to change the world. That's a big thing. It's the biggest. And my prayer, Father, is that the people sitting here and hearing this message would not sell, them, sell themselves short. Because as Christ followers, they have the power of you in them. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead we have in our own life. And that's a big deal. Not something to be self-righteous about, but something to proclaim to all those who will hear. whether it be in the interactions with just a few employees of a small county office, whether it be amongst all of the friends and acquaintances that we have in a sometimes too hot to bear town in North Africa, whether we're a widow widower, a single parent, new in a town that seems like it's awfully hard to break in and find friends. Father, I pray that you'd help us to see the reality of you. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to save us. And pray, Father, as we take up our offering this morning, that the gifts that are given would be an act and form of worship to you. Father, I pray that this last song, too, that we sing would 
be a proclamation, would be us proclaiming truth about you. And that as we go through the rest of our day and our week and the new year, that it would, it would be different because we, we know that you came for us, common, average, everyday folk. In Jesus' name, amen.